Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries and our must-read daily newsletter. This week on Highways Voices, we discuss implementing traffic management remotely on another continent. To the best of our knowledge, we have done the first completely remote deployment of a full ATMS system. Now, what does that mean? That means we worked with a partner operator in Chile and deployed cloud-based ATMS that integrates all their systems to one place and done it completely remotely. We chat to Valoran about their deployment of Lantern by Valoran on the Costa Oroco motorway in Chile on today's Highways Voices and what it could mean for tech solutions anywhere. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations ADEPT, the Transport Technology Forum, ITS UK and Elkrig. Michael Vardy, co-founder of Valoran, is our guest today and we'll learn a lot from him in a moment. First, the latest news and Adrian's off today so I'll pick out some of the stories that have caught my eye with councils preparing for a period of plummeting temperatures with 1.4 million tonnes of salt stockpiled across the country ready to treat icy roads and pavements. The Local Government Association's annual weather resilience survey found that on average local areas had eight gritting lorries as well as quad bikes, tractors and snowblowers on standby for difficult conditions. The Met Office has issued a level three cold weather alert with sleet, snow and icy conditions expected particularly in the north and east of England. A new report endorsed by more than 150 engineering leaders and celebrities led by the Institution of Engineering and Technology is calling on government to help tackle the UK's engineering skills shortage by embedding engineering into the current curriculum. The IET's new Engineering Kids Futures report, which includes signatories from the likes of Major Tim Peake, Carol Vorderman and Will I Am, plus representatives of Vodafone and the MOD, leads with a series of recommendations to the UK government to embed engineering and technology within primary and secondary learning. You can read all the recommendations on our site. And one of the UK's pioneers of average speed camera technology and friend of Highways News, Jeff Collins, has taken a new role with Australian AI camera technology company AccuSensus. As General Manager UK, he'll lead the company's expansion into the UK market, bringing tried and tested technology-enabled solutions to detect, among other things, people illegally using mobile phones at the wheel or not wearing a seatbelt. AccuSensus, which was founded nearly five years ago, has rapidly grown to deliver patented technology to clearly analyse images captured through windscreens. It's also developed radar mobile speed enforcement camera vehicles, trailers and fixed installations, can identify unregistered or hotlisted vehicles and even pick up on other forms of distracted driving. On the site you can also read about ways embedded in cars for the first time and just how much the planning process for the Lower Thames crossing has cost. Don't forget we bring you highways and transport technology news every day here at Highways News on our site, on LinkedIn and Twitter and through our handy daily email into your inbox every lunchtime. Sign up at highways-news.com Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com highwaysnews.com You can also read on the Highways News website that traffic monitoring and data analytics company Valoran has successfully completed a fully remote deployment of its flagship platform Lantern by Valoran in Chile. 
Valorant says it believes this to be the first of its kind and revolutionises the mobility sector, reducing deployment costs for advanced traffic management systems. It's caught my eye, so I thought I'd find out more from co-founder Michael Vardy. And I started by asking him to bring us up to speed on what the company does. So first of all, thank you for having me on this podcast. It's exciting to be here and to be speaking to your listeners. Uh, what Valorant does is we help road operators from large national bodies, such as national highways, to individual private toll road operators, such as, for example, the M6 toll. We would help organizations like that have a better holistic understanding of what's happening on their roadway right now. And we do that by accessing all of the available data sources at their disposal, both legacy ITS and floating sources, vehicles, navigation apps, et cetera, in order to give them a single view of the network. And that single verified view of the network lets them understand where are the most important incidents that they need to be aware of right now and what should they be doing about that. And once they have that knowledge, we connect them to tools to start responding. And the impact of this is faster response, detection response to instance, which increases safety, better resolution of bottlenecks, which increases traffic flow. And the, re- and the result of both of these is decreased emissions. So we're helping them do their job more effectively and a result making roads safer, faster, and greener. And that's the key thing is that with such a vast amount of data, if you end up with data overload, then you can't turn that into the information you need to make informed decisions. Exactly. And actually what we're seeing is even a more extreme version of that is that the data overload is causing operators to completely ignore a lot of the data sources available to them. So instead of leveraging data from navigation apps, connected vehicles, machine vision. Operators are saying, I, I cannot tell what's noise and what's relevant. And so i rather focus my resources on processes that at least I know give me the results I need, which are manual. So they manually answer phone calls, they manually look at CTV, and then they send a patrol to collect more information and respond. And it is this tension between the data available and the manual processes deployed that we're trying to solve to enable road operations to be much more automatic, efficient, on the point every time. It's interesting. One of the things I had, we're talking 20 years ago when I ran a radio traffic news company, was that we had multiple sources of data. One of the issues we had was that often they would conflict. So we would get maybe a listener phone us and tell us something. The police might tell us something else. And then very fledgling floating vehicle data services that we were using would tell us something else. How do you prioritize or or make sense of things that don't necessarily tally? So, I mean, that's exactly a big part of our secret sauce is that the value add we provide operators is a detailed understanding of all the data sources, their relative strengths and weaknesses within the context of that specific road. So for example, we know that uh, in the US, certain floating car data platforms are have a higher penetration to the car park than they do in Europe and vice versa. Understanding that helps us know what data source to use when and what, and what corroborates one thing is instead of the other. And that's how we kind of fuse everything together, compare and contrast, 
and then ultimately give you a unified view. Before we get on to the actual remote deployment that I want to learn more about, uh, where are you actually operating within the UK at the moment? Currently in the UK, we are, I mean, we've just completed our project with with Milton Keynes. So we did the project there to help them monitor the UEFA Women's European Cup for their semifinals. And we had like a lot of success there with the deployment. And now we're, we're working to try and get deployed it, to deployed elsewhere. Fascinating. And you mentioned the US and the, the different approach there and, and maybe in other parts of the world, like here in the UK. But what I actually really want to talk to you now, we've kind of set the scene with the product, yeah. is what you're doing in South America yeah. that has you know been different to the way anybody has approached this in the past. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a super exciting moment for us is because to the best of our knowledge, we have done the first completely remote deployment of a full ATMS system. Now, what does that mean? That means we worked with a partner operator in Chile and deployed cloud-based ATMS that integrates all their systems to one place and done it completely remotely within only a few weeks from contract signed to full deployment. Now, that is in contrast to the previous kind of process whereby an ATMS would take months, not over a year, to deploy with many engineers on the ground, uh, on-premise, to make things happen. Now, the reason this is so important is because what such remote, semi-automated deployments allow us to do is to make active traffic management available to many more roads, make the advantages of ITS available to many more roads. Because now you can deploy everywhere. Deployment and servicing becomes cheaper. System deployments becomes more effective and more efficient. And the outcome is that we no longer need to focus our ITS resources only on the big, rich roads, the M1s, the M25s. We can start looking at the A roads. We can start looking at the council-level roads and making basically many more journeys safer and greener as a result. So one of the exciting things also about remote deployments is that it's not only about us being able to do it without going there, but the biggest value in a way is that we require very little support from the operator itself. So we don't go there, we don't disrupt them, we do all the heavy lifting. And actually, with only a few days of effort from the road operator, with all their rest of their business going as usual, they get a full ATMS just a few weeks after they sign the contract. So it's not just about us putting in less effort. It's actually about the operator needing to put orders of magnitude less effort to get the same system with higher benefits. So how did you go about this? How do you start to work out, right, what are the data sources available? How good are they? What, what prioritizes, what, you know, what trumps one data source over another when you're not there and you don't know and recognize and have a feel for the road system that you're dealing with? That's a great question. I would say the first most important thing we need to establish is how to ensure we have a ultra secure connection between our systems and the systems on the ground. Once we have that secure connection in place, then we can start working and reviewing the data sources. Now, 
we work with the operator to under to a look at their existing inventory of data sources, and that allows us to start taking stock of what we're able to collect. Then we bring our knowledge of floating data sources to supplement them. That gives us a single view of what's happening right now. But then what we also do is we take historical data, 10 years back of all of the incidents, accidents, risks around the road. And we apply machine learning to that to help us understand where are the hotspots, where are the bottlenecks, where are the blind spots. And we use that to kind of understand where we need to deploy what type of data sources to get a heightened understanding of what's happening on the road. Then we basically work with our partner to make sure that our alerting is in line with their business processes and that we're giving them information that is interesting and that they can do something about. And once we have that, we basically put the system in place, at which point they can start saying, hey, this alert's interesting, this alert's not interesting, and the system learns based on that. So what our system does is it kind of takes all that information and then it basically it, it initiates these work processes. So we can you can now check and say, I want to send information to directly to drivers via Waze. I want to now change my VMS. And then that starts that work process. I want to share this with my patrol. That starts work that work process. And all of those are now automated. So instead of moving between different systems that you need to re-enter a lot of information and kind of manually coordinate between, oh, I have my VMS systems over here, my patrol is over there. Now you have one thing that's keep tracks of all the things you've done and allows you to access all that information so you can look back and say, how did I manage this event? Was it done well? You know, what could I have done better, et cetera? So you both have that automated response and process, but also that uh, hindsight ability to better understand how to improve in the future. This is Michael Vardy, our guest on today's Highways Voices. He's co-founder of Valoran. We'll hear more from him after the partner news. Highways Voices, with the latest news and events from our partner organisations, Elkrig, Adept, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. Adept has published its response to the House of Commons Leveling Up Housing and Communities Select Committee Inquiry into Funding for Leveling Up. The association has called for greater funding certainty, freedom for local authorities to determine spending priorities and where bidding processes are necessary for the government to consolidate these across departments into a single funding pot. Adept believes that levelling up funding should be devolved in line with local government services and questioned the effectiveness of metrics, including those for transport connectivity, that only provide a top-line view of the issues facing local places, arguing that funding should enable both strategic work on transport, the environment and skills, as well as town and community level projects. Adept responded that local authorities can be instrumental in delivering the levelling up agenda, but only with government recognition that every area is different. The local council Rose Innovation Group Elkrig has revealed the dates of when its flagship events will take place in 2023. Its Innovation Festival will take place on the 4th and 5th of July at Newark Showground, showcasing products, solutions, new innovations and techniques that can be displayed and demonstrated over a range of live demonstration sessions. The event provides local authorities with a chance to find out about new innovations from the supply chain that will help meet their current 
current and future challenges. Next year, the Innovation Festival will be co-hosted by the Transport Technology Forum. Meanwhile, Elkrig's Strictly Highways returns to the Winter Gardens in Blackpool from the 3rd to 5th of October. The annual event brings together the whole highways community, including councils, the Department for Transport, academia, industry associations, the supply chain and media. It enables everyone to learn about new innovation and technology, share experiences, receive updates from the DFT and showcases the industry associations. And talking of events and industry associations, ITS UK has met with members from across Scotland as it joined the Road Expo Scotland trade show in Glasgow. The Intelligent Transport Systems Industry Association took a prominent exhibition stand at the two-day event alongside members who also exhibited. These were event partner Transport Scotland, executive members Balfour Beatty, Gaist, SRL and WSP, with members Koval, Keir Highways, Vaisala and Unext Traffic. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Now back to my chat with Michael Vardy of Valoran. Now I use my TomTom all the time when I drive, even if I know the route I'm taking, generally I do, or I know everything up to maybe the last three or four miles, how to get somewhere. But I use it because it's constantly updating with live traffic information and will route me around traffic jams if they happen on route. And it tends to be quicker than VMS coming up or whatever. You're saying that, you know, you can feed into ways. So what you're saying is that you could be feeding or a traffic control department could then feed sat-nav units with the latest information and they can then use that to kind of load level to get the traffic um, on on different routes and still get people there as quick as possible. Exactly, exactly. You're starting to enable this direct communication between the operator and the driver. And what's interesting here is that once more and more roads are able to do that because of remote deployments, because of cloud-based solutions like our own, then the data that you're going to get as a driver is going to become more and more accurate. And in terms of when events started, when they finished, what's the impact on your journey time? So is there a point then that you could, in effect, cut out the operator and actually automate all of this from the gathering, the analysis, the decision-making on what to do about it, and then the dissemination and the traffic management? The operator is a very important part of this because they are the experts. They know what needs to be done when. If the operator chooses, they can decide to use the system to automate response. Now, they will not be cut out. They will be the ones dictating when this happens. These are the things you need to be doing. So they might decide not to put a person to make those decisions, but they will be the ones over like overlooking, making sure the system is working. And, but I will say that you know the job of an operator is incredibly complex with astonishingly high consequences and high stakes. So I think what our system gives them is more accurate information, suggestions, and a better focus on where they need to pay attention. However, these situations are so complex that it, what it does, it gives them more time to deal with complex situations. I do not foresee them immediately automating how to respond to that complex situation. If you look at weather, I can tell you what the weather is like at this moment, but you need somebody, a forecaster who knows what they're talking about, to tell me what the weather's going to be like in three hours' time, three days' time. Exactly. Could you 
actually then put in what the modeling firms are doing and then add in from where we are a traffic forecast to what's going to happen in half an hour, an hour's time, so that with all this data, the operator could then start actually mitigating against traffic jams before they actually build up. You hit the nail on the head there. That's exactly what we're aiming to do, is to help them become a lot more proactive. And the way we're doing this right now is by making sure they understand what areas are of a kind of, a, of relatively extreme risk, we'll call it, whatever is the highest risk that they should be keeping their eyes on. And we had an example. On the third day of our deployment, uh, there was an accident. Ten minutes before the accident, we said, hey, this area right now is high risk. Then when the accident happened, we were the first to alert of it. And only five minutes later, did the phones start ringing with people calling the control center. Now, those 10, 15 minutes reduction in response time translate to over 25% improvement in the operator's chance of saving a life. So they matter. And as you said, you can do that with uh, risks and accidents. And likewise, you can do that with congestion. If you're able to better understand where abnormal congestion is likely to happen, then you can start trying to mitigate that, whether it's through intersection timings, lane closing and opening, et cetera. We kind of built up what it does how you've put it together and then what you use the data for. When somebody is listening to this and thinks, I would love that for my city, what is the process that is involved in order to get this solution installed? And, you know, even down to just things like access to the data, how difficult is that to sort out with with firewalls and with data protection and GDPR rules and the siting of the servers? Are they within the authority? Is it all cloud based? You know, how what what happens if something goes down? You know, what what are the practical steps that go from I'd like this to actually getting it deployed and getting the benefits from it? First of all, as you kind of noted, there are a lot of points that we need to go through and to provide a good level of service. We're not going to answer all of the details, but at a high level, I'll say that it obviously depends a bit on your roads, data sources you want, et cetera. But if you were a road operator, toll road operator, we could, if you came to us and said, I need a system up by the end of the year, we could make that happen. We could work with you to kind of say, no problem. We'll get that down for you and you'll have a full ATMS system and that will include your data sources, that will include your connection uh, like on-site and that will include providing you with the risks, alerts and, and insights that you want. Now, obviously, each road is different and there might be challenges, but for a standard deployment, we could do that very quickly and our aim is to continuously reduce that time. So our vision by the way, is that in the future, an operator can go online, say, these are my camera APIs. These are the data sources I want. These are my roads. Click and immediately get a full ATMS system available to them. And what that means, that then makes a reality where really road operators, municipalities are able to offer much safer and quicker service on their roadways to their users, to their constituents, and we get safer and greener journeys. So you're deployed now completely remotely. You've had the complete re- remote 
deployment at the Costa Oraco motorway in Chile. Michael, do you have a plan to actually go on a fact-finding mission there to to drive it and see what it's like now your system is in operation? After the deployment, we already sent three of our team there. I mean, we're, uh, whilst just because we have the technological capabilities doesn't mean that we're completely not in person. Right? We care about our clients and we care about their success. So economically we can and technologically we can deploy something completely remotely but after that we send people down to make sure everything works everybody knows what's going on such interesting stuff that being able to remotely implement traffic management meaning all the data we have can be used in so many more places to give more efficient cleaner and safer transport now that's it for highways voices this week we've got no adrian's accolade because Well, we've got no Adrian, but he'll be back with us next week as Adrian and I look back on our year in our final podcast of 2022. Do join us then. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 